What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Real Bodybuilding Podcast, episode number 67. And I am here with the much requested Jordan Peters. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. I asked you before the before you got on uh, why you're sitting in the dark. Maybe you want to explain to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not really sure. I, I like being in the dark, um, I, especially after I've trained. I can then relax a lot more and unwind a lot more if I'm sitting in just a dark, cool room. Is it is it because of your training? Because your training is really intense, and I'm imagining you probably need to calm down after that, or is that? Genuinely, yes. Um, but even when I'm training as well, like when we go in there, and let's say we go upstairs, and there's no one on, no one up there, I turn all the lights off. Really? Yeah, it's just a strange habit of mine. I obviously we've got the natural light coming in, but yeah, like I I, I don't like artificial light that much. Okay. All right. Well, it's good, man. Whatever, whatever you like. Um, so I wanted to get you on because you are, you seem to be the authority on all things training and nutrition. And I wanted to just kind of delve into the X's and O's. Usually the real bodybuilding podcast is more about kind of who the person is and we might get into some of that, but I feel like people really, really want to tap into your, uh, training nutrition knowledge. So, are you okay if we just start with our X's and O's? Absolutely, buddy. Yeah, whatever you want. Um, okay. So first thing we're going to do, because it's, it came up on the on our most recent podcast that I did, was um, we'll start with training. Because one of the things that came up was um, training volume and how much is too much and how much is too much during your workout and how many how sets should be to failure and how many sets sure. should be working sets and all this type of stuff. Sure. So um, I know it seems kind of remedial, but at the same time, you know, I had guy sister, you know, on who's a seven time Olympian and he is adamant that really it's the only way for him to train is to do like every set to failure. Sure. But he's also notorious for injury and all these other things. So I was trying to explain to him that maybe pulling back would help. So I guess I'm asking, where's your mind on that type of, on that question there? So for me, volume is dictated initially by frequency. So if I'm training or I'm aiming to train something more frequently, then the amount of kind of work that I'm going to expose that muscle to in that individual sitting is going to be limited by kind of how many sleeps I get until I'm wanting to hit that muscle group again. Mm. Uh, there are some things that I train at extremely high frequency. And then as a result, I train them at really low volumes and um, biceps, for example, biceps, I train three times over like six days. Okay. So then each time I expose myself to training my biceps, I'm only doing two or three sets. Okay. And that's my bicep training. Okay. So, but can I, uh, can I delve into more of what those two sets are before we get into, we'll go back a bit and, and, and explain that part, but I just, let's pinpoint one thing. So let's say when we're talking about, let's say you do chest yes. and let's say you say to me, Fuad, I do, I do nine sets for chest. Sure. Are all nine of those sets working or failure sets? Um, for me to better kind of answer that, I would have to scale back the number from nine. So like, let's say, for example, for me, I, I, would, I would only do five sets for chest. That's okay. typically probably what I do. Um, and then when it's as low as that, all five of those sets would be to failure, yes. 
Um, would all five be beyond failure? No. Mm-hmm. That would be dependent on my kind of recovery capabilities at the time. Um, if my recovery is really, really good, out of those out of those five sets, maybe two would be beyond failure. Okay, so we should probably establish the definitions first. So when I say when I say uh, failure, you you're saying beyond failure. I think we mean the same thing. Um, what my my definition of failure is that I can't complete a rep on my own. Okay. Um, so at that point, if someone comes hands on the bar. That is then a forced rep, and that is going beyond failure. Okay. So I will only have someone come hands-on to a set if I know that I can recover from that additional stimulus that I'm about to expose myself to. Okay. And my conditions as to when I allow that to happen are pretty strict. Um, so, like, I'll know that precisely how – first of all, if I'm going to let someone touch me or touch the weight – and then how many times I'm going to let them do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's going to be a real specific instruction to the spotter as to exactly what is going on at each set. Um, so I, for training, see, it's really strange. Like for all other aspects of my life, I, I'm really kind of like laid back and chilled. And, and, and for training, I have to control every single aspect so meticulously. Um, mm-hmm for me to bring out a standardized things and to ensure progression. Okay. So, um, yeah. So like, so, so let's say I, I'm doing five sets, uh, and a couple of those might be to be on failure. Um, those five sets are always, I'm, I'm hoping for, are going to be creating a novel stimulus in the sense that they'll be doing something that I haven't ever done before. Okay. So let me, let me delve into those five sets. So if you're doing chest, how many, first let's explain how many exercises are you doing for chest? Um, probably three. Okay. Can you name the three? Um, so let's say at the moment I'm doing an incline Smith press or oh, sorry, an incline like machine press. Yep. And then I'm doing a high incline Smith press and then I'm doing an isolation movement. So that could okay. So let's, five. So let's take the first one. So you're doing it. You said uh, incline Smith press, I think. Or, or incline machine press. Yes. Okay. Incline machine press. So let's say the first one you're doing incline machine press. You're how many failure and how many beyond failure for that exercise? For the first exercise, never beyond failure. Never beyond failure, but you will get okay. to failure. I will, I will fail on the first exercise, but the first exercise of a session, I will never go beyond failure because then the ramifications that will have on the sets that follow it. Because okay. beyond failure work is just so disruptive. And then you can't effectively assert yourself through the rest of the session if you've gone beyond failure in your first exercise. Um, okay, so, so you're going to really limit your ability to progress your kind of second movement, your third movement. Okay, so what I'm trying to get at is how many sets in that first exercise are you doing in total? And then the last set is failure, but how many come before that? Sorry, I, you cut out slightly. You're going to have to say that again, buddy. So the last set of the first exercise is to failure. But how many sets come before that? So I, for me, preparing for my failure sets, yeah. I don't count those. No, no, I know that. But, but I want to know what, how you prepare. Okay, so let's say, for example, I'm using like uh, the Prime Incline Press at the moment. That's my favorite machine. I absolutely adore it. 
um, and my work set at the moment is like just over five plates a side. So I'll come in, I'll do one plate a side, I'll do 10 reps. I'll then do one and a half plates a side and I'll do eight reps. I'll then do two plates a side, I'll do five reps, two and a half for three reps, three plates, two reps, three and a half for a rep, four plates for a rep, four and a half plates for a rep. Now my body is totally prepared to work without wasting any energy. Yeah. I'm at no risk of injury because I've done, I don't know, six, seven preparation sets. Yeah. And then everything is then in position to attack that first work set. And then the goal of that first work set is to do something on that machine that I have never done before. So that could just be a pound a side additional. Okay. So every time I get on that machine, I am looking to do like half a pound or a pound more. And then every now and again, I might rather get a rep as well. Yeah. And then I'm just making these small incremental increases. And then over six months, I've put half a plate on that lift. Yeah. And then over 12 months, I've put a plate on that lift. Yeah. If I get to a point where that lift stalls and I cannot get it going anymore, that lift changes. But I can probably stay on a lift for six, seven months and just make small changes, small changes, small changes. Because you have to remember, every single time I'm exposing it to something it's never, ever done before, that novel stimulus forces a novel adaptation. It's It's interesting that your progression... You know, when people talk about progressive overload, it's, it's interesting that your progression can be one pound and that's okay with you. That is, that, do you know what, buddy? If I get a pound, I'm happy. That's the best job done. <laughs> I, I, when I've been doing this as long as I have, all I've got to do is just tick that box. Yeah. I've got to make sure that my form is standardized. That's yeah. important because I don't just want to get that pound by creating a mechanical advantage, by speeding up my eccentrics, by yes. creating more stretch reflex in the hole. So that's important too. Um, well, to be honest, that's more important actually. Yeah, that's that's yeah. more important than the pound because the pound is the external stimulus. Of course, yeah. If we don't create an equal internal stimulus from that increase in weight, we've because we, 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 we're not we're not weightlifters. We're not moving weight. Mm. We're just using weight as a stool as a tool to create a greater internal stimulus. Sure. And that's also where progressive overload has been so misconstrued because people are just thinking add more weight, add more weight, add more weight, and they're doing it in such a poor manner um you all if you watch the way that i lift you will very rarely see poor form yeah i yeah. control the lifts very 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 well and and that's i'm so strict on that yeah i think it's actually it's a very very important point that nobody has ever made or that i've heard anybody ever make because everybody talks about having a logbook and everybody mm. says oh your logbook's got to be five pounds heavier or whatever whatever poundage it's got to be the poundage sure. has got to go up every week but no one ever says, did your poundage go up because you squatted a little faster that day or, sure. or you sprung out of the hole a little more than the week before, or no one ever takes that in consideration. They just think I got that extra five pounds. And yeah, I, think what, sure. I think what you're saying is uh, very important to make sure your form is the same every time. Yeah. Like, so go ahead. If I, if I know that I have got a rep more from kind of basically cheating myself, I'll be really annoyed at myself. And especially as what we have to do as well, as we start to get closer to failure, that's really when we have to hone in even more on our accuracy. Because at that point, our body's trying to grab every, well, we want our body to grab every single muscle fiber that it can. However, our body is going to be trying to create mechanical advantages at that point because it's an efficient machine. It wants to make things easier. 
Mm. So in those last reps, that's where we need to be even more accurate. And we need to be thinking to ourselves, like when, when um, I'm training with Corinne, I'll, I'll use the cue of like, lock yourself in. Like, yeah. like imagine that your whole, that, that only one thing is moving. Yeah. And then that's the target muscle. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to do. It's a skill. It takes time. Yeah. Um, and then some bodybuilders that I've trained with have just a phenomenal ability to do that better than others. Yeah. Like SAS, for example. Um, SAS is, is one of the most, you, you're familiar with SAS. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great, body, great bodybuilder. Just, Amazing physique. Honestly, I've never seen someone just pick up a weight and connect with it the way he does. Yeah. So it's just perfect contraction, rep after rep after rep after rep. We're getting a little bit off topic, but let me ask you based on that. There are days when I go to the gym when I, it's almost like I can feel every fiber moving mm. with a rep. Mm. And there are days when I go to the gym where it's an A to Z and I can't feel like the other day I was, and the reason I said that is like a, just a week ago, I was hack squatting and it felt so weird. I wasn't doing any weight that was crazy or anything, sure. but I could feel every fiber in my quad firing through the entire range of the rep and i was like this feels incredible but it's something that doesn't happen all the time sure and is that something that you get or have you honed your body to the point where you're able to connect all the time no i it it happens a lot but i don't dwell too much on sensation okay i know that if i am like sensation is, is is nice feedback but I just see that as just nice. Like you said, it's, it's when you feel that, it's like, oh, that was cool. But yeah. it's not something I overly dwell on. I know that if I am controlling my body in the way that I should, I'm controlling my eccentrics, I'm controlling my changes of direction, then the only thing that can be doing the work is the musculature. Nothing else can be. But the reason, but I'm, then, do- the reason I'm dwelling on it, though, is not because I just want to feel good. The reason I would be dwelling on the reason I, I made a point of it is because do you think there's – anything more to it or do you think it's just a sensation i think it's just a sensation honestly okay. yes okay, okay. Um, and, and the reason why i'm confident in that is that for the first part of kind of my bodybuilding career personally and then my kind of coaching career i was able to make a lot of progress and able to make others make a lot of progress without emphasizing as much of an internal stimulus as i do now so mm-hmm. it was even more in the beginning phase of just move the weight mm-hmm. and that still really really works mm-hmm. But then when you take that and then you combine it with perfect accuracy, that's when growth occurs. And then sometimes you get great sensation and sometimes you don't. And I don't dwell on the sensation aspect overly. So you don't think feel, because I always tell people if you can't, and I, and I understand what you're saying. If, you've, if, you're, if you're in a squatting position, your form is good and you're going from uh, A to B and back, there's only some certain muscles that can do that. So sure. in, that, in that essence feeling doesn't matter but to me i tell people like i always use the phrase if you can't feel it it's not working and i know that's and i, and I know that's a little bit you know it's very very I think, I think that's really important when you're teaching people that haven't been able to tap into muscles that they are trying to grow like mm-hmm. if someone has a stubborn body part i think them learning how a contraction feels yeah. is important but once we start to get strong at something We've got too much going on in that moment to then focus on sensation. Yeah. Okay. Like really, like when you've done your best hack squat work, then you know where the form was perfect. Yeah. Like so, let's say like your strongest hack work you've ever done. Yeah. I can't imagine then that you were concentrating much on no. sensation. 
No, and, and you, the way you put it now makes complete sense. When you're learning, mm. when you're learning to train a muscle, the feel is more important than when you've actually learned to train the muscle. I think so. I think so. Okay. I think again, some. I know some people will probably disagree with that even still, but I think that we're definitely onto something there. If someone can feel they're contracting things. Um, okay, so let's go back. So you're doing the incline Smith press. You've done all those uh, feeder sets. I call them feeder sets when you do that. Yeah, yeah sure. Feeders, right? yeah. Um, and then you did your one failure set. That's your working set. That's your failure yeah. set. And now that's it. You move on from there. Um, on that particular exercise, there will probably be two sets. Okay. Um, so then I'll then either go up or down in weight based on how I feel. Okay. So I'll know that let's say I'm aiming for like five to eight reps on my first set. Yeah. Um, and if I feel really, really good that day and I'm like, okay, everything feels safe, I might go up. And I might take like a four to five wrapper. Um, if I don't feel that great that day in terms of just safety, I'll go down and then maybe take like an eight to 12 wrapper. Okay. And okay, again, so, that will be, that'll be to failure. So just so people know, you may do like six sets, but only two of them are working yeah, failure sure. sets. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Everything else is just feeling out the way. And this is what I was trying to get, a, get across to Guy when we were talking about it, because Guy would do all the sets you talked about, mm. but he will do pretty much failure on every one. Yeah, see, that, that's just, I, I think that's such an inefficient way to train. Yeah. I think he's wasting energy. Well, not only, that, but not only that, you've picked three exercises, whereas Guy for chest, I think he said he does like six. So, mm. like, so the volume is like drastically Crazy high. <laughs> yeah. Crazy high. Yeah. Like... <laughs> It's obviously really hard to critique because he's got a phenomenal physique. His physique is way better than mine. Can I, uh, before, before you go on, I'm sorry. Can I just preface this with, I love Guy. This isn't not a knock on Guy. I'm, I'm only <laughs> using Guy. Just using Guy's example, yeah. Yeah, I'm only using Guy as an example because we just talked about this on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, sure. it's, it's fresh sure. in the listeners' minds. Like, I'd be super intrigued to take someone like Guy that, that's doing that in his fashion and to see whether I could get him to grow yeah. more than he has in the last two to three years by implementing some of the strategies that I would use where I would make him res preserve all of his energy in his early sets to make sure then that he has as much poundage because he's a strong guy as well. Well, his, his point in, in, a, in a valid point, I would have... Probably trying to stop getting injured. <laughs> that's what his point was. And, yeah, I, and, sure. and I'm kind of in the same boat, right? He says yeah. to me, he says to me, look, if I scale back on all those early sets and save everything for the end, I'm going to end up dumbbell pressing 200 pound dumbbells and I'm going to tear, yeah, my, definitely. I'm going to, I'm going to tear my pec. So I, at some I, point, yeah. I think we all have to concede that we can't do that. Like there's, there's going to be a, I, I know for sure that I'm getting closer to that all the time mm. where I will then have to do like 10 reps, 10 reps, 10 reps, 10 reps. So then I'm just not lifting anything close to where I am now. Yeah. And then if you kind of previously trained the way I do, where then you've built your muscle through like really heavy poundages, at that point, you're then going to also have to concede that you're probably not going to build any more new muscle. At but what? At what point? Because when, saying, when when you can't expose your body to a novel stimulus, so why when, is it going to why is it going to create a novel adaptation? So when you can't add like one more pound, then you're you're pretty much conceding that I can't add another. Not not definitely because obviously there are other ways that we can kind of create overload we can decrease our rest periods um but mechanical tension is the biggest driver of hypertrophy 
And I know that I have built all of the density I have from lifting the way that I do. Mm-hmm. And I know for me that once I can't continue to train in that way, I will start to downsize. Okay. Okay. So I'll fight it though. It's obviously as hard as I can, but <laughs> we, we I know that it'll, be, it'll be an inevitability <laughs> that's coming. Yeah. We all fight it as, as long as possible. So, okay. So let's move on to the rest of the workout because there are a lot of young guys who aren't worried about getting injured watching this. Sure. So. And, and I'm trying to help them uh, put on as much muscle as possible because I see a lot of people doing what guy does. They'll go in and if somebody says do four sets for this exercise, they're usually doing four straight sets. They're not, yeah, sure. they're not building up to anything. Sure. So after the first exercise, you go to the second exercise. What would that yes. exercise be? Um, so let's say that was either the, the, the Smith or the incline machine press. The, the second one will be the other, the other variation. So then on this one, I don't have to warm up to the same degree. I'm already really pretty warm. But I still want to feel that exercise out. So let's say this one's on five plates again. I might chuck three on and just do a rep. Okay. Just one rep. And then three and a half, one rep. Four, one rep. And I'm like, okay, I'm in the groove with this. I feel pretty good. Right. Let's get five plates and let's go to work. Okay. But I will always, always do something lighter for one or two reps just to make sure. There's no way I would get off the first exercise and go straight into my first work set without feeling it and just making sure that I'm, I'm good. I know where I'm at yeah. and that I'm, I'm also mentally ready to work because for me, those uh, feel, feeler sets, feeder sets, they're a mental preparation also. Yeah. Um, because those work sets that I'm, I'm doing they're, they're, in my head, they are what stands between myself and progress. Okay. So I put so much emphasis onto each individual set. It's not just for me, Training isn't just about going in and just going through the motions. It's every single set is like a, a chance to create a personal victory. That's so crazy. I, I've never, I mean, the way you talk about training is not n- normal. <laughs> oh, I know. I know it's not. It's not. I know. But, it's, but no, but, but it's, it's, it's it, I got to tell you, man, it's inspiring because I've gone to train and I, and I love to train. I love to go to failure and I love to push my body. Everybody says, you know, I want to push my body past its limit, but you're actually doing it. Like you're actively saying to yourself, every single set, I'm pushing my body past its previous limit. Yes. Um, Like I said, I'm I'm an individual that is obsessed with progress. mm -hmm. And it's, it's, like I said, it's an opportunity for me to, so I've basically created like a reward system in my head where I have to win the set. I have mm-hmm. to win the personal battle mm-hmm. and I can't concede that. If, if, if I fuck up sets, it's bad. It's always bad. I was going to ask you what happens. Let's say, let's say, okay. So how many sets for that second exercise are you going to do? Two. Two. And one would probably be beyond failure. Um, yes. They're probably the second one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's say you go home that night. And you did those two sets and neither one of them was better than the week before in any way, shape or form. It would, not be out of my mind. it would not be out of my mind for days. Really? You just, yes. hang on, you just hang on to it. Yes. I hang on to it until I'm about to repeat that exercise. And I remind myself of that feeling that I felt after that last exercise. So that uh, to the point where I will be there and and. I will be saying to myself, come on, you motherfucker. Don't feel that again. Like, do not feel that again. Do you attribute, you know you're crazy, right? 
<laughs> no, but I love it. I love it. It's, I think you're nuts, but I think it's incredible. Like it's in a good way, but um, sure. do you attribute all of, cause you're a massive guy. Like I should show people like people who don't know who you are. Uh, I should show people first what you look like. So these are some of your clients. Uh, these are some of your lifts. I don't post very many progress shots myself. It's probably been a while, but I know you have posted there'll, some. There'll be some there. Yeah, I just, I don't remember when. I know you posted, you used to post some. I, I posted like back. a mirror shot not so long ago. Like, Is this you two, on stage? No, that's not Yeah, that, that was 2016 though. So Dick, you, you can kind of see what he looks like here. I mean, you look in, incredibly massive. Like this is. And the, there the, I'm 247 at five foot six. Yeah, that's big, man. Like that's real. And the reason I'm, I wanted to show people. Yeah, there's one up. There's one further up on the right. There was a, a fairly good that rear double bicep on the right. That's yeah. incredible. Look at the slab of muscle, man. That's like, okay. So the reason I want to do this is not just a fanboy. The reason I wanted to, <laughs> the reason I want to do this is to show to ask you a question. Yes. Do you? Because this question comes up all the time, and this this is a common theme now in social media. Do you attribute this, these slabs of muscle, this, the density, mm. to to heavyweight? Yes, I, I I just don't. You, for, for guys that are, that are incredibly strong, you will see this density only in those people. Um, okay. But you, but you trained yourself to be that strong. Like I think anybody can be. I mean, I mean, strong is relative to that person, right? But I think sure, anybody, of course. I think anybody can train themselves to be strong. If you took me, for example, when I started and you said, hey, you got to put one pound on the bar every time you lift, mm. I would eventually get strong. Oh, yeah. Like, but I never trained for that because I didn't have that in my mind. I wasn't like, I got to put one pound on the bar. Sure. I would be like, I got to put a quarter on the bar. I got to put a 10 pounder on the bar. Let's say that uh, you did create that reward system in your mind, knowing that also you are an individual that is also obsessed with progress. I, I, yeah. I see it in everything that you do. Yeah. I bet you'd get very fucking good at it. Yeah. But that's my point. I'm wondering if anybody, what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is a couple things. One, people say that you can get big without being strong, which I, I don't agree with. Um, and two, or without lifting heavy weight, which I don't agree yeah, with. Sure. And, um, and two, I feel like with your system, anybody can be strong. Obviously some are going to be stronger than others, but anybody yes. can be strong if they trained the way you just told me. Without a doubt. Yes. Because I would always do like, let's say, um, let's say I'm doing bench and I would get to four plates. Mm. If I can't do four and a quarter, I just stay at four plates. Nobody ever said to me, hey, let's put 401 on the bar. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so like, I, even to the example, buddy, that when I go, when I do go to other gyms, I have my little one pound plates in my gym bag with me, <laughs> just in case they don't have them in the gym, because there's no way I'm not taking my progress that day. So, my progress is coming with me. That's in the bag. Mm. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. So now, you know, one of the questions I, I wanted to ask you, that's a very like redundant question is how did you get so strong? And we've kind of answered it without me having to ask the question is sure, that, yeah. that, that style of training with that mentality yeah. is no one's ever said, put one pound on the bar. No one's ever said that to me. And that's incredible. Uh, an incredible thing to think is like you said, after a year, you have a whole plate or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So absolutely. Yeah. Do you think you could have gotten that big in that dense without training that way? 
because I want to, I want to, I want to address the, the, this constant thing I see in social media. That's you don't have to train heavy to get big. I, I just don't see how I just, I just don't see how like all of all, everyone that we know that is big is capable of being strong when they want to be. Mm-hmm. We have seen that in every single bo- big bodybuilder that has ever existed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like even Jay, for example, that never really tried to be strong, but he could still incline press four plates if he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Like there's videos out there of him doing it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. again, like Kai, Kai incline pressing five plates, like he's so fucking strong. I know, I know. Like, and then I saw the vi- I saw a video of Rami that took he took two hundred pound dumbbells yeah. off the rack, put them onto his knees kick back, press them, yeah. put them back onto his knees, stood up and then put them back on the rack. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No drop, no nothing. Yeah. No, no, no. No one passing him the dumbbells. Yeah. No, no like team effort. I need a team. Oh shit. We cut out. That, that's when you're, you're crazy strong. Um, like, okay. So going back to the workout. So you've done now. Mm two sets of the first exercise, two sets of the second exercise, you went beyond failure. Now is beyond failure different every time? Like, cause I know, you know, I talked to Patrick about, uh, Patrick tour has talked about mm-hmm. extending sets. Yes. So when you talk about beyond failure, is it just getting an extra rep or when you sit, could it be like, I did a rest pause and that counts as yeah. beyond failure. It, it really, that, see, that really depends on my recovery capabilities at the time. So let's say I am in, a caloric surplus. I know that I have the food available to create new tissue. I know that my stress is good. My sleep is good. In those instances, then I will be looking to extend the set with a rest pause because that stimulus is incredible. Those effective reps that we'll call them that the rest pause brings is so, so stimulatory that they're really, really great. But what we have to kind of think about is that when we're in a deficit, we can't build new muscle. Like for, for like for like guys like you and me, we're not building new muscle when we're in a deficit. We know that. So those rest pause extensions, those extra stimulatory reps. Sorry, Jordan. Jordan, sorry, Jordan, you cut out a little bit. Can you go back a bit? But sure. So when like when we're in a deficit, like we can't build new muscles. So then those rest pause reps that we would do bring nothing to the table of benefit. Yeah. They just increase the recovery demands that we have to, to kind of meet. And then as our sessions go on, and if I say we like dig ourselves even deeper into a recovery hole, that's when then our strength on the straight sets is going to start to decline. Okay. And if we start to lose too much strength in the straight sets, we're going to then start to lose muscle. And okay. I think that that's where guys can really overtrain themselves when in a deficit, when they're using too many extensions on their sets. I see. That makes a lot of sense. So basically you're saying, if you're going to use intensity techniques like rest pause or drop, drop sets, sets, drop yep. sets, or even forced reps from a partner or whatever, yes, you're only more apt to do those in a, in a, in a, in a time when you're in a caloric surplus. Yes. So when you're in a deficit and you're dieting for a show, you're more doing straight sets, just fit yes, straight I don't, sets. Yep. Yep. No, and okay. no forced reps, no extensions, no nothing. Now you said, you said you can't build muscle in a deficit, but there's a very popular YouTuber out there that is stresses that you can build tons of muscle in a deficit. And I, and I, uh, I, I adamantly disagreed with him at, at first, but then 
you know, he said there, he brought in some caveats, like obviously beginners or, oh, yeah, this, this, you know, this you know, caveats for sure. you know, you're like recomping and stuff like that, which I agreed with, but yeah. in a, in a normal system. Yes. Like, let's say that we've taken our body weight up by 30 to 40 pounds over stage weight. Would you say that was kind of typical for you in an off season? You got maybe 40 pounds? 40, 40s normally. Yeah. Yeah. The 40 is a nice point. Yeah. Um, if you, and also then if you've used kind of assistance to get yourself there. Yeah. Yeah. When that 40 pounds has to come off and you're then still using assistance, you're not then in a position to build new muscle. Like yeah. all we're trying to do is maintain what we have. Let's say we only went up 10, 15 pounds and we stayed pretty lean. Then maybe on the way back down, there might be a, a chance to build something new. But I've, like, I, I, I think that, that approach is, is crazy. Like, at the overall, at the end of the year, you're not going to be building as much as the guy who no. Yeah. Hell no. You end up, you basically end up with nothing. Like yeah. every time I've done it, I've always been so annoyed at myself for doing it. Trying to, what, I, trying, I, trying to stay lean? Yes, because you just get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you end up dieting back down. Sometimes you end up lighter than the time before. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, I fucked that up. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm an adamant believer in bulking and, and the people yeah. who are watching this are going to laugh. Uh, because it's been an ongoing thing. And I don't know why I keep bringing it up because I know it's, it's the right way to do things. And I wasn't even going to say it, but I'm like, if Jordan, Jordan brought it up, so I'm just going to tap into it a little bit. But you're walking a living proof of it. Oh, people, and... don't, people don't care. <laughs> people don't care. They don't care. It's, oh. we, it's weird. They can, you can give them a million examples and they just don't care. So I'm, I, I, it's, it's nice to stay lean. There are some, there are some advantages, where, especially if you walk that line perfectly where yeah. you haven't, killed your appetite or you haven't pushed too far away then you're just exhausted yeah um like so like there's a sweet spot um mm -hmm. for sure so going too far is just silly yeah. like i've gone like over 50 pounds and it's like oh man i've got to get this off now and it's like <laughs> <fuck>. what's <laughs> the heaviest what's the heaviest you've gone in a bulk uh 308 pounds and would you end up on stage like, uh, under 250 <laughs> <laughs> I got it was, up. It was such a hard prep. <laughs> in my, uh, I think in my second year or third year, I can't remember which which it was. I think it was the year I was getting ready for the nationals. It was, it was my second year, and I'm like, I got to get huge. I got up to 286 pounds. Sure. And I ended up on stage at 204, I think, or some shit. Oh. It was a, just a nightmare. <laughs> I think I dieted for uh, 20, 22 weeks. Yeah. And I think I I was like hallucinating by the end. I'm like, this is just oh yeah. Can't. Yeah, so like I, I did that one, that push up and down with, with Milos, yeah. and it was it was hard. It was yeah. I can imagine was real, real, real. Yeah. the push up was harder than the come down. To be honest, I can imagine um, the food and the slim and the oh, oh wow, buddy, hundred IU's of insulin a day. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> and and at that point, your appetite is dead. So then you send the you send the email over to Milos, and you're like, "What should I eat?" And he's like, "Pancakes and syrup. I don't care." I lived for about a month on pancakes and that was in 2015 and I haven't had a pancake since I, could, yeah. I just can't I wouldn't even write a face one I had a coach who put me like I, I hate insulin okay I don't I don't ever people ask me about it all the time and I'm like look I don't I just don't think it's good I know there's some coaches out there that have good systems for using it Justin Harris has talked about it he yeah, he has sure. a good he has a good system for using, but me myself with my clients, I never use it because I just don't like any of the effects it gave me. Uh, short of like the beginning, when you first start using it, you get like pretty sure. crazy crazy pumps. But after that, it wears off for me. I don't get anything out of it. But um, there was a coach who put me on, and 
I think I was doing 15 IUs three times a day for, I think three times a week. So 45 IUs three times a week. And he had me doing this concoction of oatmeal, dextrose, bananas, and honey. Okay. With every 15 IUs. And it was amazing in the beginning. (laughs) And then like. And then just torture by the end. (laughs) Just torture. Yeah. Dude, you it was so hard, I guess, to eat. Right? It was so, and nobody, I, no, you're right. Nobody will understand unless they do it. It was so disgusting after like two weeks. I'm like, I can't drink this fucking syrup anymore. Like this, this yeah, mess sure. of grossness. I cannot drink anymore. Yeah. So, and I, it I also, I'm, I'm totally with you on the insulin thing too. Like, um, I, I, I actually think that it's probably not probably it. It's been the reason why I've not been able to kind of. St- get forward as a bodybuilding competitor because I just blew my midsection out. Like I, I just I put on so much size onto, onto a small frame. Like yeah. you, there aren't very many guys that are 250 or five foot six on stage, no. but the impact it had on my midsection was just poor. So poor. So, you know what? I want to come back to that. I want to come back to that because it's a really important question. I don't want to leave it, but I want to finish the workout first. Sure. Just so we can nail that down. And that's the first thing we're going to come back to because it's an important one. Um, so after your second exercise, you go to, you said you do an isolation exercise. Yes. So you think two pressing movements is enough for you to get the stimulus you need? I believe so, considering I'm going to then retrain that muscle with only, in only five days' time. And or maybe four days. And that's, that's the caveat for you, is you hit yes. everything like uh, your frequency is higher than yes. most people. But okay. let's say I was training at like seven days, there would certainly be another press in there again. Okay, okay. Um, but on the four to five day frequency that I prefer... Yeah. Then just two is ample for me. Yeah. See, I do, I do, I do the bro split or whatever, sure. as they call it yeah. now. I call it the pro split. Um, so I, train I think pro split is, is a definitely a better phrase for it because <laughs> yeah. I think that once you are that big and that developed, then yeah. you do need that individual attention on each muscle group. Yeah. Yeah. Like so it's a hundred percent. It's a pro split. I, I think that's a perfect term for it. Yeah. I can't, I've always felt, I've always been jealous when like, I, you know, I used to talk to Luke and Luke would, you know, I do, I do uh, push pull legs and I'm like, I don't know how you get in all the work you need to get in and mm, like sure. th- three body parts in an hour. Yeah. I, I just could never imagine doing it. But I, I literally, like the way I talk about the way that you should kind of advance through training is that once you are super advanced, you need that pro split. That's so yeah. important. If yeah. all those muscles need that individual attention. Yeah. So that's what I do. So, if I'm training chest once a week, which I do, I do four exercises, three, three presses, one, one isolation. So anyway, you go on to an isolation after that. What is it? One failure set there. Or you still have another beyond failure. How's it that work? Will, that, like, that will probably be something with quite a lot of um, like intensity added to it. So it might only be one set, but it might be like a three point rest pause yeah. with like four reps. Um, where I'm thinking to myself, okay, like this is the last bit that this muscle is about to ex- be exposed to because I don't have to do anything else after this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to really fuck it up now. Like I'm going to make sure I squeeze every drop left that it has. Okay. Okay. That'll be my preference. How much, what isolation exercise would you choose normally or what are you um, on now? At the moment I'm enjoying doing dumbbell flies, but with like, a, a pause in the stretch. Okay. So just a super, like, really, really nice three to four second eccentric. Yeah. Um, I don't go too, super wide with my hands. My hands are fairly tight to my body, so then I can get quite a deep stretch sure. yeah. for a couple of seconds, and then it's kind of like a fly press back up. Okay. And um, okay. that for that for me is is nice because I'm 
I'm just wanting to just stretch and open up as much as I can. I imagine on the isolation exercise, you're not still on that one pound increase system, are you? Um, not in the same manner, no. Um, like my mindset is obviously to try to improve it over time, but it isn't regulated in that same yeah. strict. Like I'm not basically, I'm not like going to war in my head before that set. Well, you are, but more on the intensity front instead of the weight front. Sure, yeah, okay. yeah, okay. So how many? So how many feeder sets would lead up to that final set? Actually, none. At that point, oh, okay. I'm I'm good to go. So like today, for example, I did it with just the 30 kilo dumbbells. What's that like? 65, 65 pound dumbbells. Pound, yeah, yeah. So I I just grab those and I'm I'm good to go straight away. Okay, so you're not going that heavy on that movement. No, I, I, for me, that one is really about feel. The torture, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, like I, I want those eccentrics to be slow. I want to feel that stretch in my chest at the bottom. Like, I don't, I don't need to lift heavy at that point on that movement. Yeah. For me, that that movement is about making sure I am really on the muscle. Well, three point rest pause is insane. I mean, yeah. you're putting down the weight. For those who don't know, that just means he's putting the weight down, resting for ten seconds. You'd say. Uh, for the on that exercise, it's fifteen seconds. So 15 second rest, then he's picking the weight up again, going to failure, 15 seconds, and then again, 15 seconds, and then again. So three rounds of that after the first set. So that's pretty intense, man, like to finish that. You're, yeah, they're, you're they're, they're fun sets. I, I enjoy those a lot. <laughs> fun sets. <laughs> all right, so going back to insulin. The question I had, and I've had all along in my career, was my stomach got thicker, I believe, in the, in the years – either immediately after insulin or shortly, you know, maybe a year after that. Yeah. Is the insulin the thing blowing up your stomach or is the added muscle just have to go somewhere and that's why your stomach grew? Um, you understand what I mean? For sure. It's, 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 it's so hard to say. Um, for me, it, was, it caused a lack of uh, stomach control as well. Yeah. Um, and not for lack of trying to improve that either because I've really worked on it. But for me, like let's say I do my version of a vacuum. My version of a vacuum is being able to get my stomach flat. Straight, yeah. And if I can hit that, I'm happy. Yeah. Because at any other point, I'm distended quite considerably. Yeah. And then I, even after a lot of vacuum practice, the absolute best my stomach will go is maybe like one centimeter back. Yeah, yeah, that's how, that's how I am, yeah. Mm. And that w that only changed after the insulin use. But also that was coupled with pushing my body weight up a lot. So there was obviously a lot of abuse of food too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's quite hard to pinpoint one aspect, but I think we can agree that the combination of insulin plus food plus yeah. then lots of gear. I guess I, I, could, I could rephrase the question like this. Let's say you ate all the same food and you put on, the, you train the same way, you put on the same amount of muscle, would your stomach be as distended if you did it without using the insulin? I don't believe so. Yeah, it's, you think I think, I think my midsection it. would be much better. Yeah. I think, I think the insulin caused just the total, um, also helped me build a shitload of muscle, Yeah. but at a real cost for me personally. Was pro bodybuilding, your ultimate goal? Um, it's hard to say. Um, 
I'm not going to say no, it wasn't. It, and it's not, it's not something I've, I've given up on yet either because, because of the way I can just graft. Like I'm constantly working quietly. I, yeah, I don't post progress pictures, but trust me, I'm still making fucking oh, progress. Yeah, I like, yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty confident that I can still do it. Okay. But the problem is, is that I'm so beatable when I'm on stage because of my midsection. Yeah. You, yeah, you stick me in a most muscular or a rear double bicep, yeah, I'm going to win those two poses. Yeah. But for the, every other movement aspect on the stage, I'm losing. And yeah. I'm not just losing by like, the next guy. I'm, I'm like fourth, fifth in the lineup every time. Yeah. So it's going to make it really, really hard for me to win a show. So then that's why I've kind of like been quiet with my own physique and I, you haven't seen me on stage for a bit because I hold myself to such high standards. Yeah, yeah. And like I, I, I train, I know that I train so well and I'm so meticulous with everything, but I can't justify presenting something then that isn't a reflection of kind of me and, and what I've worked towards. And that's solely down to my fucking midsection. And have it's, you ever, it's, it's have, frustrating. Have you ever considered doing what like a Nicholas Vuillot did? Because Nicholas like stopped bodybuilding pretty much, went off all the drugs and stopped eating like a bodybuilder. Yeah, that was fascinating to see. And then came back, but, and now his and came back, but came back kind of in a different way. And now his waist is like my my mid his midsection was not even close to how bad mine is. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I don't know how bad yours is. That's not why I'm agreeing. But his midsection wasn't that bad. I never saw it as a flaw. Yeah, I didn't think it was bad either. I didn't think it was like horrible. It was just, it was, no. I think he was on his way yeah. to having a blockier midsection and he stopped it ahead of time. Which yeah, is, for sure. He's done, I really like that lad. He's a really, really nice guy, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, so is it frustrating knowing that your muscularity is good enough to beat anybody? Because um, I'm only talking to you from someone who has the same feeling, yeah. like, like if you look at my physique in um, 2009, mm. it's 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 something I'm very proud of. Yeah. Was... And then if I look at my physique at 220, uh, 2017 at the Arnold, it's something I'm very disgusted with. So I'm like, I I I feel what you're feeling is like you have the tool, but there's yeah. this one this one thing that you need to fix. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. I. It, I think that because of that frustration, that's why I've channeled it so much into training the way I do, mm. because then I know I can excel when it comes to training mm -hmm. um, because I can't excel on stage like I would want to. But I'm going to challenge you a little bit on that. Do you think, do you think training the way you train is adding to the problem because you are using your core and you know, the way yeah, you train sure. is so heavy. It's, it's an interesting, one. Well, I haven't touched any insulin now for, oh, it's been a while, God, yeah. um, a couple of, it must be three years now, uh, or two years, probably two years, and I've been able to improve it at bigger body weights since not doing that. Yeah. So the training then isn't then what's causing the issue. Um, it's probably not helping it, don't get me wrong, but then I would happily sacrifice a little bit of a tidy waist for some nice well, muscle well this is the reason i ask when i train legs when i train legs if i try and pose afterwards my stomach looks like shit like it, it looks wider i can tell my obliques are pumped sure i can tell my core was like being worked 
yeah, when, I, sure. when, I, when I was squatting or hack squatting or, you know, just that breathing, you know what I mean? That, yeah. And I wonder to myself, I don't get it on other days. And mm-hmm. that's why I asked the, I asked the question is maybe, is that heavy, yeah. heavy style of training? Sure. You're, you're creating a lot more intra-abdominal pressure during that heavy training. Yeah. And yeah, you're encouraging distension. So yeah, yeah totally. Um, and you've never considered... I mean, I know you love the way you train, obviously, from the way we're talking about it, I can tell it's like your thing. Yeah. Have, has it ever crossed your mind to even try and do something? Honestly, else? no. I, I, I love to train to that in that way so much that I, I, I don't care enough about my midsection to it's sacrifice fu- that. It's funny. People talk to me sometimes about training and they're like, why don't you train? And I, I use Ben Pakulski all the time because his training is so like specific you know, you know, move it this way, move that way and move at this speed and that speed. And sometimes people are like, well, why don't you train like that? Then you wouldn't get injured. And I, and I say to them, there's, there's a fun factor involved in training that, that has to be there or else I don't want to do it. Yeah. So I guess if for someone like you, if I'm saying, Hey, why don't you train lighter? It takes all the enjoyment out of what you're doing. Yeah. There's, there's an element of risk in the sets that I do as well. Mm. I clearly enjoy that. Um, Like where I'm like, who knows if this is going to blow both my knees out but fuck it let's try (laughs) (laughs) you really you do you actually think that before you do a set no no not before the set um like i'm i'm way too um oh you try and leave that shit out you try and leave that shit out of your head when you're doing it doesn't come into my head before heavy sets before heavy sets i'm lost like honestly i'm not i'm not even there like it's uh, that's some I, I, I tried to explain it when Dusty was quizzing me on it before. Yeah. Like, there's real moments where it, I'll do some of the heaviest stuff I've done. I'll unwrap the weight and I do not feel a thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's, no, there's nothing there. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up an eight plate deadlift and I can't feel the weight in my hands because of the mental preparation you've before just, the set. You've gone to another place. But then that's when it's dangerous because that's when you could get hurt because yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't know what's going on. Like, you yeah. just just pure craziness at that point all right let's get into let's get into some nutrition we've been you know been on for a while and i want to cover some other important stuff because people i think a lot of people think they know how to train i know i know they don't but a lot of people think they do so let's assume they do and go into some of the nutrition stuff sure because that's where most people think they need help um what does an off season look like what are what is what are some of the key components in your off season muscle building diets um, so for me, it's one diet year round. It okay. doesn't change. And all that goes, all that changes is just the amounts of food. Okay. Food goes up, food goes down. That's, that's literally it for me. There's, there's no variation whatsoever. Um, so, okay, explain that. So you, if you put out your, you're eating six meals a day, I'm going to assume. Yes. So you put out your six meals a day, you write a plan for yourself today there's nothing that changes in that plan other than the amounts in the, in the diet. If I can help it. Yes. That's, that's gonna, what I'm shooting for. That's going to mess a lot of people up. <laughs> you, cause you know, as somebody who coaches a lot of people, they're all looking for like the secret change that's going to connect with their oh, body. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I, for me, I, I, I like consistency. Um, and then I know that if I'm going to take away 50 grams of carbs, then my rice meal in, in off season might get up to 
150 grams of carbs for that meal and then it'll work its way down to maybe as low as 75 grams when I'm dieting down. So, and so what is the, what is the diet? What is, what is someone your size? Like, what does your diet look like? Why don't we start there? What, what's like, like, give me your breakfast. Um, so I like to leave carbs out of my breakfast okay. more just out of preference for it, how I enjoy that meal. Um, at that point of the day, when I first get up, I'm not really interested in eating carbs. Um, I don't fancy carbs, so I just don't have them. So I just have a, a high fat breakfast. So my breakfast is like two salmon fillets, four whole eggs, and then two slices of turkey bacon. Do you um, not, like, do you not, are you not a carb guy all the time or just in the morning you're not a carb guy? Just, just in the morning. Then the okay. rest of the meals have carbs in. Okay. Um, like that's literally just solely down to preference. No, no, I know your carbs are in the other meals, but do you actually, you said you don't fancy carbs. So I'm saying, do, yeah. you, do you eat the carbs in the rest of the meals because you have to, or like, do you actually enjoy no, I, I them? I enjoy them and then want them in the other meals. Okay, um, okay. For some reason, I just, when I get up, I just don't fancy carbs. So I just don't have them. Where is, um, your, tra- where is your training in the day after what meal? After my second meal. Okay. So you do get some carbs in you before you go. Yeah. Train. So then my pre-workout meal will be typically cream of rice with whey and then it might have some almond butter in um, just to slow things down so it's not too fast. Okay. Then my intra workout shake, then my post workout meal. Uh, I have cereal post workout. Okay. Um, so well, is there a reason just because you like it? I like it. Yeah. Because you like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's an easy way for me to hit my carb totals for that meal as well. Do you have it with milk or with water? No, just, just with whey way in water yeah. just with an isolate yeah, yeah yeah so like that meal in off season might get as high as like 250 grams of carbs in that one meal okay um so cereal is a pretty easy that's way a, to get that a, in that's a big bowl of cereal <laughs> yeah for sure yeah this is a beast um but i i can't reasonably eat 250 grams of carbs from another source yeah that's a lot of rice it's a lot it of is rice. Yeah. yeah and then after that it then goes back to rice and meat and then rice and meat again before bed so let me ask you this. A lot of people talk about whey and how, and, and I know for those of you who don't know, uh, Jordan has his own supplement company. Yes. Uh, what's it's, is it JP? Trained by JP Nutrition. Trained by JP Nutrition. So do you have a whey or no? We do. We have a standard whey and then a whey isolate. Okay. So I don't want to say any of this to disparage anything you're doing because I have a supplement company too. We're coming out with a whey as well. Mm-hmm. And post-workout in the off season only. Uh, I shouldn't say just in the off season, but usually in the off season, I like a way in the post-workout yeah. as well. But what do you say to those coaches who are like, it's not as good? Um, I don't believe that, that it's not as good, but I do agree that it's not always necessary. Explain, um, explain that. Uh, in the, it's an added expense slash luxury that we don't, we don't need. Like okay. if, we can, if we can happily eat our protein, I think we should. And I say that to the people that, 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 that try to buy our supplements. Like, yeah. do you need this supplement? But what I'm asking is, is it better? Is it better to eat like a steak or a chicken or whatever? Or is, um, it, is, it, the, is it the same? I, I think it's an impossible question to answer, if I'm honest. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't understand how a coach can say a food is better than a way. Um, for me as well, it would kind of be more down to like, if I'm in a diet situation, I want to eat the food. Well, let's say let's let's stick to, let's stick to one thing so we we can kind of get this down to a nitty gritty because I sure. this question this question has always come up and I don't know how to answer it for people. I've always been under the feeling that 
of I've always been of the feeling that real food is better more just because it takes longer to process in your body and the way your body does process it and the enzymes you get that are released when you chew and all these things. The reason I use a whey post-workout is because sometimes I come home in the off season and I don't feel like eating. So instead of not That's eating, true. the whey is a good fix. This is a perfect convenience. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect yeah. for that. But, but if I was to actually compare them, I would always say that food is better. And that's, I guess that's what I'm asking you is if, and I don't mind being wrong. I just want to know I, why. I, I, I don't think I can fairly answer to say one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, like I totally think that a way is an extremely convenient thing, okay. but I would always still agree that if you can eat your protein, eat it, but I can't really say why. Um, yeah, it's an yeah. interesting one. Uh, so I'm, I'm in the same situation as you. Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't say why. I think that when my body is hungry and I feel good and I'm digesting food well, I feel better in myself eating whole meals. Okay. So if I'm eating steak and rice and I know that my body's processing it well, generally I f- feel better than if I was to have whey and a bagel, for example. Yeah, um, yeah, my body is definitely feeling much better from that. But yeah. then on the flip side, like kind of at the dog end of off season, when you're struggling to eat, the way can be a pretty good savior. Yeah. Okay. I think I agree with that hundred percent. Actually, that's kind of how I feel like yeah. when I can eat, I would rather eat. Yeah. And okay. So what do, what does the diet look like size wise? Like, what do you get up to? Like how many carbs a day would you end up eating? Um, well, when I've gone to like, silly fat <laughs> too well, fat the plate. <laughs> like a thousand grams of carbs a day just brutal well let's say what what is a good probably about 750 to 800 so we're gonna say three grams per pound yes yeah and then protein are you a high protein or low protein or what where... I'm, I'm a high protein guy okay. um like for me at the moment my protein's at 400 grams a day okay um but it's been higher and i'm happy for it to be higher so you're like a gram and a half per pound. Yes. Okay. And then where are you on fats? Because I know some. I know you said you do the salmon and that in the morning, but what about the rest of the I'm day? Moderate fats. Um, so my fats will probably be at about at, at peak, probably about half a gram per pound. Okay. Um, that's about as high as they'd go in a day. Do you find you make better gains when your fats are higher? Um. Well, my fats are higher when I'm in a in a surplus, so. I mean, that, that's when they're at their highest. I just, I feel like one of my best off seasons ever was very, like it was when I first started working with John. Sure. And John likes his fats. And, yeah. uh, you know, we started the off season and he put a lot of fat in all my meals. And I feel like it was one of my best off seasons ever. I just feel like I grew like a weed. Um, using, Maybe using, you were just, just underfeeding yourself. Yeah. Fats previously. Yeah. I think that might be the case. Yeah. Yeah. How high did they go? Can you remember? Like your fats? Um, I don't remember. I want to say it was like 20 grams per meal. So, so maybe like 150 for the day. Yeah. 100, like 100, yeah. Like yeah. That's where I love to be when I'm at my peak off season. I absolutely yeah. love that spot. Yeah. Um, it, I feel great on that. I feel like it's, a, it's an area where people really need to do more because I don't know how your clients work, but I get a lot of, I get a lot of feedback from people all the time through social media, whatever. And they're always like, you know, how many carbs should I eat? How much protein? I eat? Nobody ever says how much fat should I eat? No, it's, 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 you're right. It's a question that rarely comes up on like social media. And I feel like people are forgetting that it's one of the main, like, 
if I have a really, really high carb diet with no fats, I don't feel like I'm making as much progress as if you switch those two. I just, I, I've only run that for such a short period of time when my insulin was really high. Yeah. I just, I just felt terrible. I don't know whether I could pinpoint that down to the high insulin or the lack of fats, but yeah. Um, I certainly really like how I feel when I have about 100 to 150 grams of fat in my diet. Yeah. How are you? It wouldn't be a food ad show if I didn't ask you about cheat meals. How are you? For, are you a food guy or no? <sighs> not really. I, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not that fussy. I mean, everyone is when you get lean. Yeah. And then food focus is there. So it's, it's just, yeah. But in, the, in an off season setting, I don't care at all. Okay. I, I, like, the, the only thing that I do enjoy is the social aspect of a sushi meal with Corin. Yeah. Just because we work so much that when we can get away together and just sit down without our phones opposite each other and have nice engaging conversation, that's a lovely moment. So then I try to do that like fairly often for that. Yeah. Um, but we don't like, we don't binge on food. We just, we just go and have a nice clean sushi meal where we'd just be having like tuna and salmon nigiri. Yeah. You don't, yeah. you don't even go crazy. How long have you been together? Uh, 10 years. 10 years. And she, yeah. does she help you run all the businesses? She's unbelievable. She's integral in, in everything. It, 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 she, she runs the businesses. She runs the businesses. <laughs> I know that feeling. I know, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. Every, everyone that knows us knows the real, like, so obviously we've got all our sponsored athletes. Yeah. They don't speak to me. No. <laughs> they just go straight to Corin. They <laughs> if they, if they, whatever happens, the, the, no, no one emails me anything. I don't know what the fuck's going on half the time. <laughs> I'm not there. I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm headed there. So let's talk business a little while because you've made a, a good name for yourself and you've made a good career out of bodybuilding, even though you're not a pro, which, you know, I get these, I get these questions all the time from people is, you know, do I have to be a pro to make money? And I actually did a YouTube video recently on how to make money in bodybuilding. Yeah, I enjoyed that video. It was a good video. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, I enjoyed but, that. But part of it was contracts. And, and a lot of guys can't sure. get contracts because they're not pros or whatever. And um, I guess I, what I want to ask is where did you start and how did you make bodybuilding so lucrative for yourself without really competing? Um, it's a good question. Um, I've, I, I genuinely enjoy helping people. Um, yeah. And I feel like I connect with people quite well and they can feel the sincerity in me wanting to see them succeed. Mm -hmm. um, so that's enabled me to build strong relationships with people that have then like elevated my position as a coach, for example. Yeah. Um, that's that's an important aspect like when you know that your coach is genuinely excited and you can feel it and you can feel that they really give a shit yeah that's going to make a difference and and i do I, I i really do give a shit i take it very personally um so coaching is your first so let's say when you started coaching is your first business yes yes so the coaching started in 2010 how many, um, how many because, clients would you say you got up to at its peak <laughs> I'm not even sure I should say. <laughs> okay, you don't have to. No, Let's it, assume got to, it, it got to the point where then I knew that my coaching was losing its quality. 
so then I quickly scaled back. But that could be, uh, I mean, for some people, that could be 30 people. Some people yes. don't, some people don't manage time well, right? Like and for some people it could be 300 people. So yeah, for sure. Sure. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, for me, that once you hit that limit, then I think you need to be responsible in that situation and scale back straight away because your business can go to shit fast. And that's your reputation is everything as a coach. Yeah. Um, so I, I scaled back quickly from that situation. Um, but obviously I realized quite quickly that not everyone could afford a coach. So mm -hmm. then that's when I started the membership site and we were the first to start a subscription site um, because I, I, I knew that there was quality information to give people and because of the trust that could potentially be built, people would invest in it. And they did. Um, and like, we're, we're over 5,000 paying members each month. I've been considering, I've been considering that because one of the things, and it's funny, I don't talk to you about it just briefly. I get, I want to say dozens a day, dozens of emails a day from people saying they want coaching. Sure. And I have to, I turn them all away because sure. I, like you said, it, I feel like if you can't give the time, then you shouldn't take the money. Yeah, agreed. And I, and I feel like, you know, I was prepping for a show and I had got the supplement company and I got the podcast and I just don't have the time. Yeah. But I said to Summer one day, I said, you know, there's got to be a way I can help people in more ways than just doing those whiteboard videos. Mm. And is the membership sections, membership site something that is manageable or is it, like, how does it work? Oz is Ours is a lot of work. Like yeah. I'll have, I have to, I'll send you over a login to ours, and you'll see how extensive our app is. Okay. So, for example, since ours has been running, we've reinvested over two million into ours. Okay. The, the development cost has cost over two million. Okay. Um, so it's it's not a cheap startup thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. obviously that's more come in the last three to four years when we had the revenue to do that initially it was only a website and it, and it was a lot cheaper but yeah. the issue now that someone is going to face is that the competition that exists out there mm -hmm. are already so far ahead yeah. because they've been reinvesting so extensively mm -hmm. and we're about to un unveil like our next step in ours yeah. which is then so far ahead of anyone else in regards to kind of the level that we're operating at. What does, um, what does somebody get that, like, how do you coach them through the membership membership section? Is it like, if I sign up, I just see a bunch of different answers to a bunch of different topics or um, how does it work? So like, I could probably even just pull it up, pull up the app on my phone. <laughs> just like, so like I open the app right now. Right. Yeah. And then like, so I, I go to this section here, which is like a menu section on the side. And then I've got like the video section, the education section, each individual athlete log, a live stream section, a forum section. So let's say we go into the forum section and we then go into the health section. Yeah. I can then ask a question and then that will always be answered the same day by either myself or one of the athletes. Um, so like I tie in all the athletes that we have with the supplement contract that yeah. To be part of Train by JP, they also have to put in their relevant hours on the site. Yeah. So every single day, there are 20 athletes working the site. And so amazing. if you ask a question, you will be answered by at least 10 athletes. Somebody's going to answer. Yeah, that's great. And that is contracted for them that they have to make a post daily. Yeah. 
um, which takes like two seconds. But the point is, is that if anyone has a question at any one time, they're getting an answer every single day without having to wait. And yeah. that answer is coming from either a pro yeah. or a very experienced competitor. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so we've managed to create an environment that is really, really helpful, but also really funny. It's like a community on there. Yeah. Um, there's obviously all the members are like writing comments on the videos because we post up 12 to 15 training videos a month okay. of all of the athletes. And then yeah, there'll yeah. be like tons of interaction where they'll get to follow everyone's preps into their shows. Um, it's, it's a really nice feel on there. Everyone is keen to help. Um, it's, it's certainly grown a lot more since we've had all of the athletes on board because yeah. of just the kind of the community feel that they create and, and everyone can just get so personable with them. I mean, it's, it's, it's nice. It's really nice. So you started, so you started coaching, you realized there was way too many people to coach. Mm. So you started the membership section. Yes. Where along the line, how long did you have the membership section and the coaching going before you started the supplement company? Um, the membership site was running for five years. So I was, coaching for three then started the membership and then that was all then running for a further five yep. when i then had the revenue to create the supplements and then so now you've had supplements for three years no this is only our second year oh okay we've, so been, sorry, go we've been going 18 months yeah incredible so how is the supplement company going well now we're, we're getting there um the, this last month I always, I always, I don't know whether I should like talk about figures like that. No, I, well, you don't have to talk about figures if you don't want like to. I, I, I know that like in like a business environment that it's encouraged, but I, for some reason, I still struggle with it a little bit, like to talk about kind of like the revenues that we're generating. Yeah. I'm not sure why. Um, I, I think it's but, normal. I don't think a lot of people want to talk about revenues. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I did, I did that YouTube video, but that YouTube video is my own personal like it's not the business, right? I'm not going to go on no. and say, this is what Hostile's making. Like I'm not. Yeah, you know. for sure. It's a weird one. But then yeah. again, like when I see like um, Aaron post up the, how Redcon are doing, I'm like, wow, that's incredible. And I, I, think it's, I think it's different when you're doing a hundred million dollars a year. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Like it's just like, it blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, we, had, we, had, we had a good month last month. Um, like, I, I feel like we're starting to make some headway with things which is Good. nice is it is we're at that point where it's like okay we can potentially do all right here like yeah, in this industry because yeah. it's as you know it's a tough market it's saturated <laughs> man there's a lot of companies and there's it a is. lot of people um, doing things yeah but like the advantage that i i think you and i have is that we are genuine people mm -hmm. and we do care about people's progress and that we're not going to fuck people over with our supplements so yeah. that is a strong, a strong selling point that a lot of brands don't have. It's funny. You said that earlier, you were talking about coaching, I think. And you said earlier, uh, something along the lines of you love helping people. And I just, it, it hit me that, you know, it's something I keep going back to and, and it took me so long to learn. Right. It's just something, how old are you, Jordan? 32. Okay. Well, obviously you learned it a lot sooner than I, than I did, but I'm 41 and it, it took me honestly till I was about 35 it's such a selfish thing to be an entrepreneur sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Because as an entrepreneur, you, the selfish side of you is like, how do I make money? 
that's kind of what you think. Like, how do yeah, I, for sure. what can I create that can make money or that yeah. I can, or how can I monetize X, Y, Z? And I didn't start making money until I was like, how can I help people? Mm. You know what I mean? Isn't it crazy? Like yeah. you can think of all these strategies, but the most logical one is the most sincere one. The way, the way I kind of think about it is I try to think along the lines of what do people need mm-hmm. and how can I do it better than other people? Yeah. And if I, if I keep on that track constantly I, and I don't get distracted by potential margins, um, then I know that I'm in a good place. And that, that's where I'm just trying to keep my focus. of what do people need and how can I deliver that to them? Yeah, um, yeah. And that's just where I'm just, I'm just reminded that those are my values and that I will not sell out for those for anything. Um, did you have, was all of this part of a plan or did this all kind of like, because people ask me sometimes, they're like, you know, how, how did you come up with all of this? And they're like, I'm like, I went to school to be a police officer. I didn't like this. This isn't like, it wasn't a, a mass, some grand plan that happened. So for you, was it something that, you know, did you, um, did you, like, in your... I, I've always had like an idea of, of wanting to run something like this. Um, like I, I'm not someone that will be able to work for someone else. I never have been and I never yeah. will be. Yeah. I will always need to be the one that's leading. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, I enjoy leading. Um, so because of that, I know that I've got to try to keep being creative in the way that I kind of step forward with things and the way I create opportunities for myself. Um, how they would kind of specifically unfold. I don't really overthink that aspect. I then mm-hmm. kind of just roll with it and see what kind of presents itself and then just adapt to it. So that's kind of that's how kind your, of, that's kind of how your businesses have come up. It's kind of like, yeah, you didn't really plan them. They kind of like no, present, presented no. themselves. Yeah, for sure. It's like, okay, there's an opportunity there. Can I, do I think I can effectively do this? Yes. Okay. Let's give it a go. So when people are, when people are working in their lives and they're working hard at certain things, would you say that it's important to keep your eyes open and, and look around, always kind of be looking around for opportunity that you can oh, work yeah, at? For sure. hundred percent. I, I think so. Um, I think it's a must. Because the membership section, for example, would not have been, uh, I mean, it's a brilliant idea, um, but it, it's not something that somebody probably came to you and handed you. It's something that you recognized was there and, and, sure. cre- and created it. So, um, But equally though, in, in, that, in that business, I have a, a phenomenal business partner in that mm-hmm. one. Um, and he... I've worked with him since the beginning and then he has had a hand in some fashion in all of my businesses in helping me to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, we, we are a lot to, to this, this individual. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, his name's Mark Fox. And um, yeah, wow. Uh, Would you so say- like, I've, I've had have had good help. Yeah. Would you say in a business partnership or of any sort, kind of staying in your lane is important yes 100 percent. because yeah. there's aspects that i will say to mark whatever you think like this you, is this is not this is not my area you this is you 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 made the call here um, was, and i totally it, trust his judgment was it always like that or was there a beginning point where you were like oh this is wanted to, you wanted to oversee something everything no 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 like i've, I've always known where my strengths lie and then where they don't 
And then if I am not strong in an area, I am not going to try to take the reins in that area. And then that's where like between Corin, myself and Mark, we're all really strong at different things. Um, so between the three of us, uh, we, we work really well together. Yeah, it's, it sounds like me and my wife and my brother because, and I don't say shit. We go to meetings when certain, <laughs> certain things, if we're talking about formulation or strategy or, you know, I have, but there's, sure. certain, there's certain things that they talk about. I'm like, don't even just leave me out of it. Don't even yeah, ask me. That's, that's the way it needs to be that you have people around you that kind of fill the gaps that aren't your strengths. Mm. Um, and then likewise, you will fill the gaps that they don't have with your strengths. And that's a phenomenal team. I think that's stuff. I think that's, it's weird. I relate everything back to bodybuilding and I feel like it's something bodybuilding has taught me. Cause you know, when you look at a physique and you have to be able to look at your physique and say, I, these are all the things I don't like. Sure. And these are all the things I do like. And you kind of yeah, learn sure. how to, you learn how to like, yeah. Kind of break down your own body. Sure. I think it's the same thing. My list kinda. of likes is not that high anymore though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like my lower back thickness. That's about it. <laughs> you would think as you go, the likes would get bigger, but they don't. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I liked myself the most, I think, in my life. So you know that you compared those two rear double bicep pictures earlier? Yeah. yeah. One on the left was when I was 18 and I was 150 yeah. pounds. And I can said. honestly say that I liked myself the most in my life at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clueless but yep. so happy with my own physique. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. The more, you know, the more it, it just, oh, you know, yeah. yeah. You pick yourself apart. Um, Jordan, before you go, I want to talk about uh, attitude. You seem to be annoyed yes. with a lot of things online. And I thought when we, when we decided to, when we decided to do this podcast, I said, we're going to do a little segment on things that annoy you because I, I just get this. I mean, you seem extremely pleasant. But there also seems to be sometimes when you write comments, you seem to you can feel my anger. <laughs> Dude, I, I write stuff, I delete it. I write stuff, I delete it. And in the end, I'm like, fuck it, just post it. What, what, give me some of your pet peeves. What bothers you? What's, um, what's, what's on your mind? Tell me. I'll start. I, I'll start. The other day I was at the gym and I hope this guy's not watching the podcast. The other guy was at the gym. The other day I was at the gym. We have, they have like a little station in every, every corner now to wipe down the machines. Sure. And it's got like this, like a wet nap thing that you pull and you wipe the machine down. Yeah. He grabbed one for each hand, put them like laid them out in his hands. And then he grabbed the rope attachment and proceeded to do pull downs with it. And I'm like, it's not, you know, you can wash your hands after man. You don't have to like, oh. hold, you know, like, why are you holding this napkin in your fucking hand? You know, it's like, it's pretty special. <laughs> it's pretty special. <laughs> am i crazy is that normal no that definitely not okay. definitely not like if i if, if I, when i'm in the gym actually like i don't really lift my eye level up this is an interesting thing so headphones go on my head drops and my eye line never lifts up because mm. i know the moment that i lift my eye line up i'm going to see something that fucking annoys me <laughs> so i put it back down again <laughs> so i have a permanent downward head so i'll move from machine to machine with my head like Put your head this. down yeah yeah I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's say i take my headphone off to like talk to corin i'll then hear something that someone else says and i'll think what the fuck are they talking about I'll yeah. put my headphone back on yeah yeah like, I, I need to have like goggles and just block <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so bad <laughs> i'm surprised you don't i'm surprised you don't have your own place 
Yeah, it's it's something that obviously we've considered, uh, still considering. Um, yeah, I'm sure at some point it'll be it'll be something that we do. Is there a um, social media pet peeve that you see all the time that you can think of? Um, oh, I know there's a, I, I know there's a million. It's hard when you're on the spot, but oh god, um, it's hard, it's hard, isn't it? But like that, that that question annoyed me the other day that the person that asked about you that that. That pissed me off. Like, why? Why did that piss you off? What, what was the question again? The question was: was what, do you, what do I think about Fuad's situation? Oh, because I because I had to, to pull out of the show. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you talking about? Like, this is not like a situation. Like, Fuad's situation is incredible, and that like I was so keen to make that point back. Mm -hmm. and, like, um, so yeah, that that one pissed me off quite a lot. Yeah. Um, we should. Uh, you know, I should have you back on. There's a lot of, um, you have a lot of knowledge about health and how to keep bodybuilders healthy, right? Um, I know we've discussed, well, I know I, we've discussed this privately before. Yeah, for sure. Like it's, it's kind of, kind of it's, I've, I've learned it because I've pushed my body and that's something I want to make clear. Like, I don't want to pretend that like, I am like a picture of health because I'm yeah. not because yeah. I've pushed hard. And have abused my body, and as a result of that, yeah, I, I, I've learned, I've learned a lot. Um, I've learned what to do, what not to do, and hopefully trying to pass that information on to try to keep other people safe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something that again I'm passionate about. I, I enjoy learning about that topic. I don't want to keep you because it's almost an hour and a half now, uh, but I do want to have you back on. It would be a pleleasure. It would be an absolute pleasure to discuss. We can talk it's, about, but I want to. I want it to be very um, health focused. Sure, let's do it. Because I think I feel the same way you feel. I'm not an expert, but I know what I've done wrong. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, just yesterday I got this. It, this really, really bothered me. So I do want to bring it up real quick. I got a message from this kid and he's 19, I think. And he said, hey, you know, um, whatever. I'm still your fan. You pulled out. It's cool. I love you, whatever. And then he goes on to say, uh, the doctors told me I have kidney issues, but my friends tell me I have tons of potential. Can you look at my photos and tell me how much potential I have and if it's worth it to keep going? Oh, and wow. I'm, and I'm like, yeah. this kid's 19. And he has kidney issues. And I'm like, I looked at his photos and he looks good. I mean, he doesn't have potential to be like Mr. Olympia, but he looks good. Mm. And I'm like, honestly, man, it doesn't matter if you have potential. Like if you have kidney issues at 19, you're already behind the eight ball. Sure. So I'm like, I don't, I just feel like I would like to have you back on so we can stress to people that like, this stuff's not like, it's not a game. Like mm, totally. kidney, kidney issues end up, kidney issues are fatal and you end up in dialysis and it's not somewhere you want to be. And it doesn't really matter how much potential you have if, if that's where you're headed. I totally agree. Totally. Um, and there is ways to also mitigate the damage we're doing. So sure, we'll get stuck back into that next time. Yeah, you come back. We'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. It was um, we were way overdue to do this, which was my fault, and I'm sorry for that. Yeah, why did you blow me off like 18 times? No, no, no. I... Every time I'm like, I thought he liked me. I, I do a lot. <laughs> I do, but you'll notice. Did you see me go on anyone else's for a long period? Uh, I saw you go on Ron and Dusty's show, but that was a long, that was a ways. A back. long time ago. Yeah. I just took like a bit of a break from doing these because yeah. I just got a bit burnt out from doing them. 
Oh, you did a lot so, of them? Yeah, I did like a, a big chunk together of, of, of lots of them. Yeah. And then to the point where I then would dread it and oh, then no. wouldn't rather come on and be myself and have fun. Yeah. Whereas for this one, I was really looking forward to it. Like I was sitting down having the meal before and I was like, I'm actually really looking forward to getting on having a chat That's with cool, you. Man. So then I needed to have that break where then I could be myself instead of coming on and being just some grumpy, just <laughs> rubbish. Just, that yeah, might've so. been fun though. I might, I kind of wanted, I don't know. I, don't know. I wanted just, the grumpy, the grumpy <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> I, I, it was, I, I'm glad that I took a break from doing them. Um, and then, I always knew that the, the first one that I would do, would I would 100% ask you if we could do it. Yeah, um, I appreciate it, man. Is there anything, uh, obviously there's your supplement line, the membership section, uh, follow JP on Instagram. Is there anything you want to promote or any message you want to put out before we go? Um, I think that we covered a lot of, a lot of good messages in our chat. So I'm not going to okay. plug any more than that. Um, I'm, okay. I'm really, really thankful for you having me on. And, uh, okay. I look forward to us having a chat again. All right, man. Thank you very much, Jordan. I appreciate Thanks, it. Bud. We will do it again soon, hopefully. We will. All right, brother.